0: Hey everyone, this is Justin Keogh, and I'm excited to be starting a new series today on this short book called The Gospel, How the Church Portrays the Beauty of Christ. As with the prior series, I'm planning to use the content of this book as a springboard for topics relevant to you all as community leads, apprentices, and women's discipleship leads. So my hope is that you'd be able to read along with me and gain something useful and practical out of these podcasts. My goal in switching to a podcast format is to make it as easy as possible for you to get to the material. I promise I'll keep it short, I'll aim for under 10 minutes for each of these seven topics. So without further ado, let's jump into the book and the introduction in the first chapter. For starters, you may be wondering, why are we reading this particular book? I promise it's not just because I like short books, though there is some truth there, Um, but the primary reason is that I wanted to walk through this book in order to address the reality that it highlights. And that is, it's possible for us to have good theology without having a gospel culture we worked through this book as a staff earlier this year, and it's been a healthy opportunity to at, for us to ask if there are any gospel disconnects between our beliefs and practices as a staff and as a church. And I think for us in community, it's worth asking the same question, as each of our communities has its own cultural nuances, and that also play and they also play a significant part in shaping our church culture as a whole. Those of you who know me know that I love equations coming from an engineering background, and so I think the way that Ortland highlights the interaction of the gospel doctrine and gospel culture on page 23 is great. He lays out three equations. Gospel doctrine minus gospel culture equals hypocrisy. Gospel culture minus gospel doctrine equals fragility. And gospel doctrine plus gospel culture equals power. His point here is that we simply cannot know facts about God without acting on them. That's hypocrisy. And we can't simply act without the strength of the gospel because we end up being subject to the winds and the waves of cultural preference. But when we have both, we represent something otherworldly and the power of God is seen amongst us and to the world around us. It's not surprising then that his thesis is really that we must know the gospel and live it out. And surely this isn't new information for you, and hopefully it's not. Um, And that's part of the point. We need to remind ourselves of the gospel in mind and in our hearts every day. And we need each other uh, to help remind us just as frequently. And so the point for us then is just to start with a simple self-reflection. Am I currently growing in the love of God? Am I I increasingly aware and humbled by my own sin? Am I increasingly joyful at the good news of, of God's work through Christ on my behalf? Am I praying for God to sustain me? Am I being nourished in his word, both in my mind and in my heart? Am I walking joyfully with him? The reason I wanna start this series with self-reflection is that, is that there's a familiar concept at play here, and that's that we cannot lead others to places that we haven't gone. And when we use that phrase, we don't mean that our leaders need to have experienced every particular trial out there. Of course, that's not only impossible, it would be terrible. Um, but rather we mean that we, we have experienced some trial, and in those trials we've run to Jesus for refuge. We mean that we've experienced godly sorrow over our own sin and we've, run, and we've repented of them. We, we mean that we've regularly and, and we're regularly feasting on God's word, tasting and seeing the goodness that He is for us. So my encouragement for us all today as leaders, uh, is to keep an eye on our own heart and mind. Ensure that we're applying the gospel to ourselves and that our walk with the Lord is the most important part of our lives. When we do this, keeping a watch on ourselves, we're we're actually already setting a pace for leading others. Um, and in the same way that we lead uh, ourselves here, we then take and lead others in the application of the gospel. And it works to build our faith and theirs. So with that, uh, brothers and sisters, I encourage you... Um, Set your, set your heart and mind afresh on the gospel today. Uh, thank you for joining me in this journey through this book and in community leadership. Uh, I'll switch over here and pray real quick, and then we'll close up. Father, thanks so much uh, for these brothers and sisters hearing these words, uh, for the ways that you are working in our body uh, to care for your people. I pray that you'd encourage them each today, reminding them of your goodness and mercy and mercy not just in general concept, but for them, each individually, for me as well. I pray uh, that we would all be experiencing the richness of your word, would know your love for us in every way. And I pray for these uh, brothers and sisters as we we lead in community, um, that that love that we feel and know and, and taste from you would overflow in each of our interactions, and that you would work powerfully among them in our communities, and bring, uh, bring us all to a deeper love and trust of you for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.